0: If you haven't been living under a rock for the past couple of years, you might have heard of Docker. Now, what is Docker, and why is everybody talking about it? Well, find out in this episode. The Computer Science Software Engineering College Courses Review Podcast, where we describe the core courses that all aspiring computer scientists and software engineers should take on their college path. And now your host. Hello and welcome back everybody to the CSSE College Courses Review Podcast. Sorry very much, let me just say, sorry for taking so long in uh, making another video. I know you guys are really eager to learn about new technologies and things and basically just the world of computer science and software engineering in general. So I'm sorry guys, I'm really sorry, I'm just having... So many things happening in my life right now, pretty much just transitioning from being a student into being a student, but who is also working at the same time uh, so that I can graduate. (laughs) Finally, I can graduate. Um, Well, hopefully, you know. i'm I'm, right now i'm in the middle of my professional practice which means basically an internship at a tech company so for those of you who haven't heard or listened to the other episodes i'm basically working um sort of full-time i'm just taking a course and working at the same time at a software company and um you know, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty rich, all the experiences and all the things that I have been able to acquire and that I can now share with you um, all who are planning on getting into uh, computer science or software engineering. And that way I can also help you with uh, getting you the information and the knowledge of what it is to actually be working at a place like this. What do you do? What What's the, the environment like? Uh, how are... You know, how is your boss going to treat you? Probably how are your coworkers going to treat you? What are you do, uh, the problems, the things that happen every day. So, this is pretty cool. And I also wanted to talk about this in this episode, but it's not the main theme. The main theme here is Docker. Now, what is Docker, people? As I mentioned, if you have been paying attention to the tech world, primarily in software, in software development and uh, DevOps in the last couple of years, well, you've probably heard of Docker. Now, what is Docker? (laughs) For most of you who just know about the little icon of the whale, um, it's pretty nice. It's pretty interesting. But it has a a lot of sense. It's a whale with a bunch of containers up its back. Now, why containers? Well, because Docker uses containers. That's what makes us different. (laughs) For let's say a TLDR for everybody. Uh, Docker is basically a virtualization tool. It creates virtual environments so that you can test, deploy, develop things inside of those containers, and they're really lightweight. You can create them in a matter of a second, literally one second. And it's super fast, It's super uh, comfortable for the developer and the DevOps engineer. And it's amazing. It's an amazing tool. But I will talk more about this in detail as we progress. Okay. So first of all, I wanted to talk about what is it exactly. And from the page, the main page of the Docker docs, we get that Docker is an open platform for developing, shipping, and running applications. That's basically what it does. And it enables you to separate your applications from your infrastructure so you can deliver software quickly. With Docker, you can manage your infrastructure in the same ways you manage your applications. By taking advantage of Docker methodologies for maybe shipping, testing, and deploying code, um, you can make it that quick quicker, and you can have significantly, significantly reduced uh, delay between writing code and running it in production. It's a thing that lets you build stuff seamlessly and test it and deploy it, and basically. It's an amazing tool to have, and people who don't know about Docker or don't use it, I highly recommend you guys to be able to just mess around with it. Maybe you won't find a direct application with what you do. Maybe you're a database maintainer or whatever. Uh, Maybe that doesn't really have to do a lot with Docker, but maybe you can find an application for it because it's so big. It's so, so huge. It has a lot of images and a lot of registries that you can basically use for whatever you want. Okay, so... What is the difference between a virtual machine and a container? So virtual machines, for you those of you who probably have handled some of them, uh, they are really bulky. They require for you to have an image of the operating system and probably run it on, on VirtualBox or um maybe what's the other one? VM something? <laughs> I forgot about that. I only use VirtualBox though in college, so that's that's the one I I really know. um But the thing here is that it's super bulky. Whenever you want to create that virtual machine for use, uh, it's it's you gotta download that image. First of all, you gotta find it. Then you gotta download it, which is huge. It's probably like gigs, probably three or more gigs uh worth of that. And then after that. You gotta boot the whole thing up, and you gotta wait for that, and it's gonna run super slow and whatever. Of course, it has its place for different things, different applications that you might need a UI, or a, I'm, I'm sorry, a GUI or something else. Um, but for developers, usually, you don't need these things. You need to be able to test your code in environments that are treated the way that you want them to be treated, and environments that are clean at the same time so they're clean and they have the things that you need in order to test in order to run in order to deploy or whatever that is the magic with docker docker makes that so easy and fast it's super fast to create containers out of thin air um well of course not out of thin air but <laughs> the the main difference that docker has with most virtual well yeah basically virtual machines and and frameworks like the, the uh it's that docker runs on top of your operating system and it uses containers now what is a container so here uh, reading it from the main page basically <laughs> as i can see um it explains it way better so it's basically a normal virtualized environment In a normal virtualized environment, I'm sorry, one or more virtual machines run on top of a physical machine using a hypervisor like XAN, Hyper-V, or whatever, as I just mentioned. But containers, on the other hand, run in user space. They run on top of operating systems kernel. So it can be called an OS-level virtualization. Each container will have its isolated user space and you can run multiple containers on a host, each having its own user space. This means that you can run different Linux systems, okay, in containers on a single host. So, for example, you can run on RHEL and use a SUSE container on a Ubuntu server and Ubuntu server can be a virtual machine or a physical host. Um so the main difference is that it runs on top of your host of your of your OS host. So for example at work we have Macs and we of course I mean the Macintosh has uh, the OS right? So it runs on top of that. It builds images and things that you need in order to test. It can be CentOS. It can be Windows. It can be whatever the fudge. Uh, well, just be really careful with Windows and Linux because Linux does not support Windows. Um, so just have that in mind. But if you have anything else, then you probably can run whatever. Um, so yeah, you know, it's pretty powerful because I can deploy a, a container that has CentOS 7 or Fedora or or I don't know, whatever I want, honestly. And um, I can also put things inside of it for it to be ready. Okay, so this is the tough part to grasp here. A container is an instance of a template. Just like in object-oriented programming where you have the class and the object, imagine that Docker provides a similar framework where you have uh, images, right, those images are basically classes or templates and you create objects or instances of that template which are called containers. What is so cool about these containers is that they're running independently. You basically have, for example, two containers that both um, run from the same image. However, if you do, for example, a in container number one and you do B in container number two, they're not going to be messing with each other. They're gonna be isolated in their own spaces. They're gonna be independent. However, they will still have the same image and the same things that you want inside of them. But when you go inside and you do whatever you want on container one and container two, they won't mess with each other. They are isolated in their own spaces. That is what's really powerful. At the same time, those images that I was talking about, those images, you can basically get them for free uh from the docker uh repository so basically they have a bunch of images uh i think they have the biggest one in the world they have a lot of different things there you can use for you know operating systems or whatever Uh, you can so 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 that's pretty cool but at the same time if you need something a little bit more specific you can create a docker file now what is a docker file docker file is basically your own version of that template you can use or basically create a file called a docker file and in that you can for example say hey i want you to pull from the cento 7 operating system i want you to use this as a base and and later on i'm going to be running these commands so you run for example i want this image to have python and java and um, maybe JBoss or whatever and, and you install it "Quote unquote," right? You put that in the Docker file. Now, when you create the image out of that Docker file, all the image, all the containers that are going to be run from that image are going to have all of that that you specified. So, for example, um, say I created a Docker file with CentOS seven that uh, installed Java and Python, and and yeah, so that those two. When I instantiate a container from that image. That container, when I start it, I'm going to be having Python and Java already installed because I put that in the Dockerfile. That is amazing. And that's probably the only thing that takes a little bit of time. uh, Whenever you want to create an image... Um, but that's, that's normal, right? Cause, uh, the Docker has to go, well, basically as we'll see later on, the Docker, uh, daemon has to go into the repository, g- grab the image and start putting it all up together and, and then, you know, creating the image. And that takes a little bit of time, but when you have the image, um, and it's not even like, you know, a day or whatever, it's like probably less than 10 minutes or 20, <laughs> less than 20 minutes. Okay. Let's put it like that. Um, so, yeah, and after that, you can just instantiate uh, containers out of thin air in less than a second, honestly, quite literally. <sighs> so probably this gave you a little bit more of an idea of what is Docker and a little bit more clarity of, of why this is so powerful. Um, now, how does it work? As I mentioned before, it runs on top of the operating system, but it has a pretty interesting infrastructure. So what happens inside of Docker is the following. Docker has a Docker client. The Docker client is basically where you put your commands, what you want Docker to do. The Docker client then communicates with a Docker host. It is a Docker daemon. That is the part that basically gets all the grunt work, all the heavy lifting. That is where it happens. The Docker daemon grabs uh, from the registry, the images that it needs, all the things that it might need for the image and uh, in the Docker file, if you're making an image for yourself, a custom image uh, and it puts it all together, it puts it together, it administrates uh, whether a container has an image or not. It, It basically manages all of that, all the heavy lifting for you. And whenever it's done, then you can just call it with a client again and get a container or grab something or whatever. So it's pretty interesting. It's pretty like a you know client daemon registry. So the client asks the the daemon. The daemon grabs from the registry. It creates. It manages. And it builds stuff. And then the client can grab from the from the daemon, um, which is pretty interesting. It's not it's not that hard to understand at the same time. And um, oh well. To probably top this off, I want to give some of my work experience examples and projects that I'm working on right now. Uh, I have to use Docker quite a bit, honestly. Since I am in the DevOps department, uh, it involves a lot of infrastructure uh, infrastructure building and virtualization. Okay, my job is basically virtualizing the fudge out of everything. <laughs> I've just been working with virtualization all day. And it makes sense. It is very powerful. It is extremely powerful to be working with that. Um, I'm going to tell you, for example, the first day I found out the Docker, on top of all of that that I just explained, it can also use things from your host computer. Meaning, if you want a container to have a file or a folder or multiple files or folders from your operating system, from your machine, your local machine, the machine that you're running Docker in, you can. You can just specify what folders and files, your actual folders and files that you want to put in a container whenever you instantiate it, which makes it even better because that lets you test your code, test your things inside of a Treated environment that is clean and ready for you to test. So it's amazing. It's quite amazing. I remember the first time that they told me that I could virtualize things. I didn't really understand the whole concept of it. I understood it fully when I uh, deployed a container with a a volume of one of my uh, files or I'm, I'm sorry, one of my folders. And when I changed something inside of the Docker container, it actually changed in my computer. So that was incredible. That was amazing. I'm like, oh my goodness gracious, this thing is amazing. It can communicate with my computer just like seamlessly when when, when in a virtual machine, you can't. You can't do that sort of thing with that ease. But oh well, uh, that was my first example. But uh, maybe another one is that whenever I have to try different things, okay, so since I'm in the DevOps department, I have to be creating a lot of things with Ansible and Playbooks and things. I, I might be talking about that a little uh, later in another episode but the thing here is that um git has a continuous integration pipeline and that basically runs on top of a docker container so what i can do is that i can do the docker container instead of pushing my code into the repository because that takes a long time uh, and the runners are basically you know sometimes they're used or some they are not however i can use my docker containers whenever i want they're pretty much free and they're super quick. They're super fast. They imitate exactly what I want so that when I actually run that on the GitLab CI, then I can get a pretty good answer based on my Docker container. So for example, I test a lot of things in my Docker container, but test uh, you know, virtualization and, and tests and, and code testing and whatever in my Docker container. And then I put it into the GitLab CI and that usually works because Docker is such a great imitator of what can happen elsewhere. Um, I do that all the time, of course. Now, probably my most recent job that I have to do, uh, that's basically my project, (laughs) Uh, what I have to do is, whenever a GitLab CI pipeline gets triggered, right, in, in the company, whenever the development team the The software development team uh, pushes something into the repository, the 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 master repository or whatever, you know, the the one that has all of the, of the product of the software product that the the company is working on. Um, whenever it does that, a bunch of different jobs are going to be activated in sequence in the pipeline. And after a certain job, I have to um, perform some tests into the new. Um, into the new code or basically the new product, the new software product that they had just pushed. So that way I can sort of, you know, kind of give QA and and the developer team a little bit more uh, information. I can, I can. Uh, well, the idea is for the QA team to not be able to do to, to not do that so that I can just... Uh, deploy a Docker container, run some tests inside of that, and then send that report to whoever needs it. Maybe the developer who pushed the code or some QA guy that uh, might be getting handling that situation. So that's the idea, you know. So, uh, so one of those jobs that I have to uh, create has to deploy a Docker container, and in that co- Docker container, I have to run uh, Locust. Locust is basically a tool that lets you uh, put swarms into a a um, say a software UI or whatever a, a web UI, and that way you can simulate what a user a normal user would be doing in the product. So after I run those tests and I get the report and I send it to somebody else, that would be basically my project <laughs> and that would be it. So you know, I have to use Docker quite a bit in my everyday work. And I can 100% see how amazing it is. It's it's such an amazing tool. I can't imagine me doing stuff without Docker. It's such a helpful, seamless, lightweight, and fast tool that uh, I would be just going crazy if I had to use virtual machines all of my life <laughs> instead of virtual environments like containers that Docker provides. But oh well, I think this has been it for the episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm sorry that I took so long, but I've really been having my hands full with my project and, and school and family and exercise and everything. <laughs> but thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking by. I really appreciate it. And uh, I just wish you all the best. Oh, uh, just as a reminder, maybe if you have any questions, if you have something that you want to tell me, if you have... Uh, I don't know, whatever, it just if you want to contact me, you can do that through the Facebook page. We have a Facebook page called the CSSE College Courses Review Podcast. We also have an Instagram page and a, um, yeah, <laughs> that was basically it. I'm going to be having a Twitter um, not so so long from now. And if you are one of the people who contact me, I'll be sure to give you a nice, amazing gift. See you all in the next one. Take care, everybody. God bless you all and see you.